Welcome to White Oak Ross Township Campus. My name is Nathan. Really glad you uh, chose to spend some of your morning with us. Uh, we've been in a series um, the last couple of weeks called Home Improvement. And what we've been talking about throughout this series is that we want our lives to line up. We want our lives, our homes, right, our families to line up with what God says is best and true. All right? Now, even if you're not a follower of Jesus... All of us want our marriages and our, and our children and our homes and our relationships to thrive in what's best. That's true for everyone. That's what we want, right? So today, we're going to be talking to moms and dads, all right? Today, we're talking uh, to parents. Now, wh when I say we're talking to parents, let me also say this. If you're a single parent home, if you are um, hoping to have kids someday, if you're grandparents, or if you're someone who just has influence in some way over teenagers or kids in your lives, then I'm going to invite you this morning to lean into this conversation, all right? Because we're talking to everybody who has influence in the lives of kids. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but I think with that advent of like Hulu and Netflix and things like that, we, you, you get to see this a little bit more with older TV shows. But in the 1950s through the early 1980s, TV shows always seemed to portray um, these perfect pictures of perfect parenting and, and home lives, all right? You might remember um, people like June and Ward Cleaver, right? I mean, perfect. Anybody grow up watching them? Nobody, nobody that old? Oops, did I say that? No? Okay. All right. We got that. Um, what about Mike and Carol Brady? Definitely. I don't think they ever made a mistake. All right, neither did their kids, for that matter, hardly. All right, uh, what about Claire and Cliff Huxtable, right? I mean, the perfect family, right? And, and, and what started to happen is, is about in the, the mid-1980s, you started to see a shift. Hollywood began producing these television shows that began to show um, dysfunctional families, right? Parenting in its dysfunction. In fact, they created these caricatures of families that were over-the-top dysfunctional. Anybody remember the Bundys? Huh? I wasn't even allowed to watch that show, all right? The Bundys. Um, what about the Connors? All right, the Connors. Everybody remembers that family, the, the epitome of dysfunction. And my personal favorite, the Simpsons, all right? Yeah, we've got some fans, all right? So, so the, 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 these are these caricatures, caricatures sorry, of this dysfunction. And maybe the only thing, right, that we can gain from these dysfunctional families, if there's one thing that we can walk away with, it's this that we're all messed up, all right? Every single one of your families, every single one of our households, every parent in this room is messed up. You've messed it up, and you're going to mess it up again, all right? And we know that's true, but there's hope. And I think that's why we're talking about home improvement. That's why we're talking through these weeks and these topics, because here is some hope for you. You can't change your past mistakes in parenting, but you can fix the future. There's nothing we can do about the past mistakes we've made, but we can fix the future. And that's what we're going to talk about here this morning. This is our big idea for today. It's printed on the front of your program. Direct your children. Direct your children. Solomon was one of Israel's wisest kings. He lived about 900 years before Jesus was born. And he's going to write most of the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. 
Now, what, pro- what a proverb generally is, is a wise saying. And so the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament is a collection of wise sayings that lead us to understand what God says is best for us and the truest, best way to live life, right? That's the wisdom that we get in Proverbs, right? In Proverbs 22, verse 5, so- Solomon gives us this advice. He says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Now, what is nice about that verse is it clearly gives us this picture in this pathway. And it's that easy, right? Direct your kids on the right path and they'll be grow up to be perfect, right? I mean, it says that. So that's it. That's all you need to know, right? Now, the, the truth is this statement that, that Solomon makes is not a statement of absolutes, right? This is not a statement of absolute truth. What this is a statement is of of tendencies. So read it this way. If you direct your kids, if you direct the kids who you influence toward Jesus, towards faith, then you are setting them up. You are giving them the best chance to live a life where they will thrive in relationships and in their future homes and families. You're giving, you can't force that on them. You can't make them follow Jesus, but you are giving them the best chance to thrive in their lives, in their relationships, and in their future homes. That's what Solomon is talking about. So Paul, um, if you fast forward like 950 years, okay, into the New Testament, Paul, a lover of Jesus, a planter of churches all over the Mediterranean rim. All right, he's going to write to the Christians in the city of Corinth. Now, you have to understand in the first century, the Greek city of Corinth was like a, really a microcosm of the corrupt and debaucherous nature of Greek culture, all right? But Corinth was known as a city of excess, all right? It might be like your modern day Las Vegas, all right? It was financial excess, um, it was sexual excess, it was materialism, and, and Corinth was the capital of it all, right? So there's a lot of cultural um, brokenness in Corinth. And to Paul is going to write in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, um, this, this word of wisdom and direction for the Christians living there. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, this is what he says. He says, be on guard, stand firm in your faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. Now, what Paul intends to speak into the lives of Christians, we are going to talk about it this morning when it comes to directing our children toward faith. And the first thing he says is be on guard. Be on guard. This is his this is his advice, be on guard. Now, Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, he's going to say something similar. Listen to how he says it in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, stay alert. All right, parents, listen up. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So over the last couple of weeks, we have said that followers of Jesus believe that we have an enemy. Okay, we believe that we have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy the faith of your children, of our kids. And that that same enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy the faith and future faith of our kids 
then you had better believe that same enemy wants you to fail as a mother. He wants you to, and he is working actively against you so that you will fail as a father and speaking faith into your children. Now, you may not believe that this morning. If you're, if you're out there and you're not a follower of Jesus, you may not believe you have an enemy that is diabolically working against you, okay? And that's fine. You don't, you don't have to believe that, all right? But what you know is true by looking at our culture, by looking at some of what we know about is tr- true about our kids, by looking in our schools and in this school, this community, right, is there is just brokenness. There is brokenness happening in the lives of our kids. And so we know that we're missing something. We know it's true, even even on a cultural level, forget the spiritual level. Be on guard. That's what Paul says, be on guard. Peter says, be alert. Listen, he says this in 2 Peter 2.1, he says, but there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies. What Peter's warning to the Christians in his letter is, listen, there are other people inside or outside your home. There are other people inside or outside your families. There is a culture who will work actively to lead our kids down a path of destruction. And do you feel that? We know it, right? And Peter says, don't be deliberately naive. That's what be on guard means, right? And often as parents, we know there are dangers, right? Parents, you just kind of intuitively know that there are dangers for your kids out there. And sometimes we just kind of deliberately say, I just don't care. Okay? I just don't care. It's not worth the fight. It's not worth the battle. Right? And so, it's, so we let them watch, you know, they can watch whatever they want. And I don't care about the content because I just don't want to have the discussion right now. Or you can have unlimited access to the internet or unlimited data because I don't have time to police it all. Or you can start dating at a younger age and and you can wear whatever you want and you can stay out however, because I just don't have the energy to guard it. Right? And I'm going to tell you right now, there are dangers lurking out there for our kids. Dangers to their character, to their futures, and to their heart. And I promise you, there are things out there that are more dangerous than, than driving hazards, bad grades, and missing a practice. But many of, our, many of us parents will, will, will diligently steer our kids away from those things but forgetting possibly what matters most. Peter says, don't be unprepared. Like mom, dad, listen, adults, people who have influence in the lives of children and teenagers, don't be caught unaware. Peter and Paul are both saying, this is kind of an obvious thing. Do you remember that um, after 9-11, our law enforcement and government begin to use a word that really was just kind of not common vernacular for us in our culture necessarily. And they used it to be vigilant, right? Do you remember that word, be vigilant? They were saying that all the time. They were calling you and I as citizens to be astute and aware of our surroundings, 
to not just be um, naive, unobservant participants in our lives and our surroundings. They said, be vigilant, be looking for potential dangers, be looking for potential threats. And since that day, that awful day, you have seen, it kind of comes out in the news, right? You, you hear about it, God help us, every week. People are being vigilant. So now we're much more likely to rush attackers, to rush gunmen, to respond in an emergency than maybe we would have just a few years before. I don't know if the name Riley Howell means anything to you, if you've heard that name recently. Riley Howell was a student at UNC in Charlotte. This was just a couple weeks ago when a gunman walked into his college classroom and started shooting. And Riley got up out of his seat as people were being shot around him and running for exits, and he rushed the gunman, right? They're not exactly sure how it all unfolded, but Riley was able to knock him off of his feet before he was shot point blank and died. And so the police were able to apprehend the suspect more easily because Riley had disoriented him. See, we, we understand in our culture what to be on guard looks like, to be vigilant, to be always looking for threats. How about us parents? We're not talking about helicopter parents, right? Or paranoid parents, like, and I think we know those types, and it's like, mm, stay away, all right? We, we, I get that. Well, that's not what we're talking about, all right? We're talking about parents who are willing to make the tough decisions, we're talking about parents who are willing to engage the conversation about social media use or internet use or to ask probing questions about friends who you're hanging out with, when you're going to date, and have some conservative, strict guidelines on how you date. We're talking about parents who are willing to engage the argument, to be on guard, to ask questions about other parents. Because listen, it is not another parent's job to guard your kids. And some of them will do a very bad job of it. So you've got to actually ask questions about other adults and how they're interacting with your kids because you're the only one who is called to guard them. No, what Paul and Peter are talking about to Christians and to adults who have this influence over children is we just need parents who are willing to guard moms and dads who are willing to guard the heart's and the minds of their sons and daughters. Be on guard. The second thing that he says is, stand firm in your faith. That's what he says to the Corinthians. Be on guard, stand firm in your faith. Parents, listen, we are the primary spiritual influencers of our children. Like it or not, good or bad, we are the primary spiritual influencers of our children. So in just a second, I want us to say that, all right? It's true. It could be a bad influence, right? It could be good, but it's true. We are the prime. So I'm going to say, I want you to say it though in the, in the first person context. In just a minute, you're going to say, I am the primary spiritual influencer of my children. All right. I want you to say that on three, one, two, three. I am the primary spiritual influencer of my children. We are. And the Barna Research Group, who's one of the top research um, 
you know, does a research in the country. Uh, they did a study where they asked this question of a cross-section of adults. They said, whose faith has influenced you? Now, for those of you who are going to get really analytical, you're going to end up adding these numbers. Be like, that, that adds to like 132%. What is that? Um, the respondents on these surveys answered multiple questions. So just shut up and trust me. All right, deal with it. All right. So here's what they said. Whose faith has influenced you? All right. Mom, 68% of the people said mom was the influencer spiritually. 68%. Dad got 46%. Grandparents got a 37%. And then there was like 9, 11, and 17% were like other family, friends, or other influences. I can't quite remember how that worked out. All right. But let's dive a little deeper, right? There was another study, so I got digging into that one and started reading a little bit more. This was um, data collected by Promise Keepers in the Baptist Press. Listen to this. These are fascinating, okay? If a mother does not go to church, but the father does, okay, a minimum of two-thirds of their children will end up attending church and being active in their faith as adults. If a mother does not go to church, but dad does, a minimum of two-thirds of their children will end up attending church and be active in their faith as adults. In contrast, if a father does not go to church, but the mother does, on average, two-thirds of their children will not attend church or be active in their faith as adults. It goes on. If a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. Another survey found that if the mother, this was fascinating to me, if the mother in the household becomes a Christian first, there is a 17% probability that everyone in the house will come to follow Jesus as well. 17% probability. The research found, however, when the father becomes a follower of Jesus first, there was a 93% probability that everyone in the household will come to follow Jesus too. Wow. What does this tell us? Moms, ladies, grandmothers, you influence the most. Thank you. Guys, fathers, dads, you influence the strongest. Thank you. Separately, you have impact. Together, when possible, you have power. And you can't delegate that impact and that power to the other parent and you cannot delegate it to the church to influence your children. You and I alone, there can only be one primary, all right? You and I alone are the primary influencers, spiritually speaking, for our children. Stand firm in your faith. That's what Paul says. Stand firm in your faith, moms and dads. Model, model faith for your kids. And as you do that, and here's one of the things I am so grateful for, and some of the people who do this for my children personally are in this room, and I love you, and I'm indebted to you, and you're one of my most prized relationships, all right? 
is that you're speaking faith into my children. So moms and dads, listen, listen. If you're going to stand firm in your faith, that means that you are putting your kids under the influence of other people of faith. That's one of the ways that you guard them and stand firm is you make a priority to get your sons and your daughters and the kids that you know and love and you put them at the feet and into the relational circles of other adults of faith. Because there is a time, if you have anybody in your home that's like 13 years or older, you're an idiot, all right? And you're gonna need some other parent, some other adult speaking faith and influence into the life of your children. You're gonna need help. Model it. Put them at the feet of other people who know Jesus. We have a parent resource table out here. It's been up for a couple weeks. It'll be up for a couple more on your left as you walk by the hub out there. There's a parent resource table. There's books. There's resources. We're going to put one in your hand as you leave today. Just a resource list uh, uh, for your kids, for your teenagers, for your children this summer, for you to dive into, to use as a tool for them. All right, and we have a mega sports camp coming up in like three weeks. It's the biggest outreach we do for kids all year. All right, that's happening in three weeks. So just go ahead and take a look at this promo video real quick. Okay, I, I mean, I don't know if you can refuse to be part of that week after that, all right? I didn't know Christy Nunn could do two push-ups, but wherever you are, Christy, we love you, and congratulations. Um, that's one of those exciting weeks we have coming up here all summer, and listen, and this is what it means for us, all right? It means that parents, um, adults in this room, teenagers in this room, it means that we're, first and foremost, we're inviting, right? We're inviting the children who are in our sphere of influence into an environment right? Where there's other adults and things of, of faith being breathed into their lives. An incredible opportunity for us to invite. Secondarily to that then, it's the opportunity for us to serve. And it takes an army of people, teenagers and adults, to speak into the lives of the kids. Our goal is 300 kids, and I was talking to Christy on Thursday, so I'm sure it's gone up since then. There were over 100 kids already registered. Man, it's going to blow the roof off of this place, guys. We have an amazing opportunity to speak faith and life and influence into the life of children. Stand firm in your faith. Thirdly, Paul says this. He says, be courageous and be strong. Be courageous and be strong. Literally in the Greek, what Paul says here, and ladies, you, you just need to help me with this. He literally, Paul says, be a man. That's what he says. Be a strong man. Be courageous. Guys, dads, dads, listen. That should make you sit up a little straighter in your chair right now. Just like widen your shoulders a little bit. Because you've got to get ready to fight. You're getting called to muster your strength for the sake of your sons and daughters. 
ladies, courageous and strong, that should make like you start to work. You need today in this moment, all right, just start getting into mother hen mode, all right? Ready to protect and defend and fight. Because we have children and in our influence, guys, that are ready for an adventure. They're ready to, to risk themselves for something. You know it's true, even if you don't have kids, you've been around them, you've got that from two years old, you've got the kids trying to drive their three-wheeler off of a ramp on the sidewalk, break their neck, all right? And you've got teenagers who are willing to risk for adventure, but sometimes that means sex and drugs, but it's all risk. And they're looking for something to sink their teeth into, a challenge in their lives that's exciting and, and, and heart-pounding. And they're looking for that from us too. But so often, so often what we give our kids is a wimpy faith, a weak faith. And sometimes it's not a, it's not a wonder why when our kids graduate from high school and go on to the next thing in their lives that they turn away from church and they see it as useless because they never saw their mother or their father contend for the faith alongside them or for them. One, uh, this quote that I just came across from a book I read 15 years ago called The Irresistible Revolution. Somehow I came across it the other day. Listen to what it says here. The author says, We lose kids to the culture of drugs, materialism, sex, and violence because we don't dare them. Because we make the gospel too easy. Not because we made it too difficult. Kids want something heroic with their lives. So what are we offering our sons and daughters that is heroic for the gospel? I'm telling you, um, you, you know, some parents would say, well, I don't want to push our kids too much. I don't want to push them towards church too much or faith. Like, it might push them away. It could. So, like, you, you, you see a parent, so you're, you're, you're a bystander here. You see a parent um, sitting back on a, on a bench, letting their kids stick their head in the lion's mouth, and you're like, uh, what are you doing? Okay? And the parent's like, it's cool. Listen, I thought about this. I've encouraged my kid to see the danger in what they're doing. I've encouraged them to learn that there's potential danger here. Okay? I've taught them to believe that lions are sometimes dangerous. I've even sat with them once a week to watch some safety videos on the potential dangers of lion bites. And you're like, excuse me, they're going to get their head bit off. Like, go get them. I pull them away and point them towards some safety. And the, and the other parent's like, no, 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 listen, I got this. I don't want to push them too hard. Because if I push them too hard to recognize the danger and yank them away, I might, what might happen, they might grow up with, a, with an unhealthy fear of lions. I don't want them to be unnecessarily afraid of lions. Plus, I want them to choose. At the end of the day, it's going to be their decision whether or not they like their head attached to their neck. Right? Now, what would you say? You're out of your mind. If you don't grab them, I will. Like, have some guts, man. Go grab them and pull them away. Be courageous. 
And our children are looking for people who are willing to fight and be strong to contend with them for faith. I'll tell you this. Do you know what the biggest advice, not the advice, the the best compliment your kids can ever give you? Grandparents, parents, listen. You know the best compliment that your kids can ever give you? It, It starts with them, and I'm going to quote your kid. Everyone else's parents fill in the blank. Listen, this is beautiful. If you ever have a child or a teenager say to you, well, everybody else's parents gives them a smartphone when they're 10, you're like, bingo! Yes, I won! Right? Well, everybody else's parents lets them stay out till 2 a.m. You're like, and that's the catch. Be home at midnight and shut up, right? You should feel complimented, all right? If everybody else's parents... And you say, well, I'm not everybody else's parents, right? Because you're the only one whose courage is going to direct your children down the right path. It's no one else's job. One author said this. He said, do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Listen. Moms, dads, grandparents, people who have influence over children. The Holy Spirit of our God, if you have put your faith in Jesus, it resides in you. And you have the power and the courage to direct your children toward Jesus. You have what it takes. Jesus calls us to a life of adventure and heroism to spend our life on the purposes of Jesus and loving others. And parents, moms and dads, listen, have the courage not to sell your kids short on that adventure. The last thing Paul says in that passage, be on guard, stand firm in your faith, Have courage and be strong. Be men. And then lastly, he says this, do everything in love. Do everything in love. And we're like, man, of course. Like, that's a great way to round out uh, this passage, Paul. Thanks. You love your kids. I love mine. But the truth is, I mess up every day. Every 10 minutes. And if you live anywhere near me, you'd say, yeah, it's more like five. But whatever, all right? I mess up and so do you, all right? The sobering reality is um, we have our limitations, right? We're not perfect. Nobody out here thinks that they are. But if we think for a moment that our love for our children is all they really need, you've deceived yourself. Because your love will fail them. Your love at some point or points along the journey will actually steer them towards pathways that do not guide them towards a deeper relationship with God. So the truth is your love isn't enough. It can't get it done. And you don't really have what it takes. 
and neither do I. So what do you do as a parent, as a primary spiritual influencer in your home? What do you do to know if you're, if you're winning as a parent? Besides the fact that if they tell you that, well, no, no other parents are, like, okay, you're winning some. But how do you know? How do you know you're winning as a parent? What do you, you, you only know how you're doing in something is if you have something to measure it with, right? You have, it, you have it, the measurement. So it's not like on a test, like when you study for social studies, you read the material, you take the test, you get the grade, and you know what the measuring is. It's the grade, right? If you're just, if you're just like kicking it out, if you're just killing it out on the soccer field, right, and the coach, like, they, they award you and say, man, great job, you know what the measure, the measure was hard work and how well I play soccer, right? If it happens to you at work and your boss gives you an award or gives you some recognition, like, you've been working hard and you know what the measure is, but we don't have that as parents. You don't know. I don't know if I'm winning or not. And to Andy Stanley, a pastor, he says, he said this, and I love it. He said, parents often get lost in this land of Ur, right? The land of Ur, right? And so we measure by comparison. Well, we say, well, if my home or my family or my kids are, are stronger, or if they're better, or if they're richer, or if they're smarter, or if they're prettier, or if they're athleticer, or if they're Christianer, right? And so we find what we measure, and we measure it against other people's kids, But here's the truth. The measure is not performance. It's trust. How do you trust Jesus? That's the measure. It's not your performance. Your heavenly father has directed, directed us straight towards his love, his power, and his undying commitment and his forgiveness. Parents, moms, dads, we have that available to us. So you want your kids to thrive? You want your sons and daughters to experience God's best? You want to know how to love your kids more? Then we must love God most. You do that. And we will be setting up our kids for God's best. Which is what you want. We're going to go to a time of reflection. And actually, it's going to be a prayer time. You've got a card that was in your program, and I want you to go ahead and take that card out, and it says, Every Child Matters. If you don't have one... We have some extras on the communion tables right here in the wings and also in the back. There's a, there's a pile of extra cards. And so go, go grab one if you don't have one because I want you to have one. Um, there's a card that says every child matters. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're all going to pray, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to pray, even if you haven't prayed in a long time, to commit to directing your children toward Jesus. Now listen, some of you are like, I don't have kids. Okay but you have influence over children. You're a grandparent. You have nieces or nephews. You have cousins, teenagers. You have cousins. You have younger siblings. You have the neighbor kids next door that are a little y younger than you. We all have influence over children. What I want us to do is I want you to take this card and I want you to pray over the names of the kids. And listen, this is the challenge. 
It's not just about writing down names of kids that we care about. Uh, that's fine. You can do that and, and pray for them. I, uh, that's an awesome idea. But what we're doing here today is not that. What we're doing here right now is we're going to put the names of the kid or the children that we are committing to, directing them toward Jesus. That we're going to model it for them. That we're going to start or recommit choosing today, choosing in this moment that we are recommitting or committing for the first time for the kids who have God has put under our care that we are going to direct them in faith. That's the names, that, that's what you're doing when you put those names on this card. That you're going to model it, that you're going to have habits and priorities that fuel it. And if you're newer to church, maybe you're just going to say, I mean, we're just going to start coming more often. And maybe that's the thing for you. I don't know what it is. But as you sit and pray and you consider the names of the children that God has put under your care, who will you direct to what God says is best and true? Pray, put those names on this card, and I'm going to tell you, in just a minute, what we're going to do with that.